Good morning. It is Think Tank Thursday. It is seven minutes after 10 o'clock. You got a car with uh, an infotainment system and it allows you to to call using the, the, the car's electronics or to text using the car's electronics. Well, what have I told you that several auto manufacturers have been taking that data, recording your calls, intercepting your private text messages and uh, mobile phone call logs. It is happening. Dave Rowland has the story. It's gone to court, and it affects your privacy. I'm sure you'll want to know more about that. I know I do. In the meantime, the Show Me Institute is on board. Patrick Ishmael is with us. Uh, the uh, He's the uh, Director of Government Accountability over at the Show Me Institute. And an analysis of, of the cost of a stadium in uh, Jackson County, I guess that's Kansas City, it, it's, it's a little worse than anybody figured it would be. Patrick, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Gary. How are you doing this morning? I'm a little, I'm a little despondent. How much money will people in Springfield and Columbia and Jeff City and Lake of the Ozarks have to pay? Uh, is there state money going into this, this boondoggle? Well, the the short story is it is likely that you're going to have state money go into it. And the, the stadium that we're talking about is the stadium that the Kansas City Royals are looking to build. Of course, they have Kauffman Stadium. It's next to Arrowhead Stadium. It's been there since the early 1970s, but the Royals want to move out of it. And part of the process is they're uh, trying to get basically two different counties to compete with one another uh, to actually build them a stadium. Now, that's the first stage, of course, is getting the local money, and, and I think the state money will follow because, of course, the Royals also get state money uh, currently as well. But what we're finding out about the stadium that is being talked about in Jackson County, if it ends up staying in Jackson County, uh, is that the cost of the stadium may not be uh, to taxpayers about a billion dollars. It may be more like four to six billion dollars and this Ooh. is by the count the county's estimates and and the reason that that number is different is that most of the time when the discussion is had about you know the construction or maintenance of, of a facility it, it really is just those costs but what the county is apparently saying is that when you throw in the cost of insurance which has not been considered in a lot of these analyses uh, it adds about three billion dollars over the course of the project uh, uh, in cost to that project uh, which is pretty remarkable, and, and I think it really does emphasize the fact that, you know, whatever you might see in, in public, what's being published about, whether it's the Royal Stadium or Arrowhead or, or, you know, when the Cardinals were getting their stadium, those numbers may be on the low end. And the cost of taxpayers, unfortunately, when you're looking farther down the road, uh, who do you hold accountable when those uh, cost estimates turn out to be wrong? Uh, and so largely the cost that we're talking about right now in Jackson County is between four and six billion dollars in cost to local taxpayers but again there's going to be a state contribution probably to the tune of three to six million dollars a year um, really the Royals should probably stay put uh, rather than move but you know I understand that they want to move because they've been in that stadium for 50 years but if they want to move, they should do it on their own dime. This is not an appropriate role of government. And whether it's $1 billion, $2 billion, $3 billion, or $6 billion, it should come out of the royals' pockets and not out of taxpayers. Patrick, this frustrates the hell out of me because I've not only experienced it in Cleveland when they built their new stadiums, but I've seen study after study after study, and these structures never pay for themselves. 
They, I no. can't. I, I don't know of a study that uh, that indicates uh, it was a great investment on the part of taxpayers. They're always holding well, the bag. Well, and, and generally speaking, that's that's true of most government-backed projects. In Kansas City, we also have the Power and Light District, which is a, a very fun, like, kind of entertainment district. But even on its own merits, it has never, ever paid for itself. And the Kansas City, the city of Kansas City always has to fill the gap in what the you know the taxes don't pay for in, in the bonds themselves, usually to the tune of $10 million a year or so. And that neglects even the, the issue of, uh, you know, just kind of redirecting spending. Because when you're talking about entertainment districts or sports, what you're really talking about is people using their disposable income. Uh, and disposable income, as we know, especially today, is limited. It's just a finite thing. And what happens, and what a lot of these studies tend to show is that rather than really kind of enlarging the revenue pie or the GDP pie of a region, what these teams or at least these stadium projects backed by taxpayers generally do, it just moves spending from one place to another. And, and a lot of times what it's doing is moving money from, uh, say, a restaurant that is not taxpayer backed, that's an entrepreneur, or a family-owned business, moving it from those sorts of spending opportunities to, uh, you know, these heavily backed corporate uh, entertainment districts. Uh, and so it's just moving money around. It oftentimes harms a lot of the employers that, you know, supposedly the, the city or the county might want to help. Uh, and unfortunately, I, I think it's, it's a, a lot of le uh, legislators, a lot of politicians, like putting on a hard hat and putting a spade in the ground, taking a picture for, uh, you know, their next election. But that doesn't mean it's good policy. And that's true whether you're talking about, you know, handouts to, to you know, more traditional corporations or handouts to sports teams. It, it really can hurt people in ways that you can see and in ways that you can't. You know, wouldn't you think that communities around the country having seen all these studies, knowing for certain that it costs taxpayers money, that it doesn't generate more money, that they would refuse to build a new stadium. I mean, why would you want to do that to your constituents? Uh, you know, I, I think that there's a tendency to not want to feel left out. And I know that this is, is certainly true. I know St. Louis has felt like, and they were concerned when the Rams were leaving town, that they would become less of a city, which is nonsense, of course. But if you're a politician, you certainly don't want to be the politician left holding the bag when a when a team leaves town, just because it's, it's difficult politics today. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it is bad policy to say, no, we're not going to spend money on you. Uh, and and the, the reality is, is that if you're going to spend money on a baseball team or a football team or, or whoever, what are you going to cut? What are you not going to spend money on? And you know, there's, there's only a handful of things that government really has a, a role in, legitimately speaking. You know, infrastructure is one, public safety is another. If you're going to spend, you know, $6 billion over the course of 40 years, or, you know, if you look at it on a yearly basis, $30 million, $40 million, that's 30 or $40 million that you're not spending on those other things. And so it really is a matter of priority. It's a matter of stewardship. Uh, you need to have, I think, some really courageous politicians just at the outset saying, no, we're not going to give you this money. And, and I think that that would deter a lot of the you know negative political consequences of, you know, if you have said all along, I want to give away this money, and then the team doesn't take that money, that looks pretty bad. But if you say on a 
as a matter of principle, this is bad policy and I'm going to protect my, my taxpayers, I think that would come off much better. But you don't see that very often, unfortunately, even though that's the right decision. Uh, I, I think that it's people just don't want to feel left out. And I get that that's a human emotion. But, you know, it's a sports team. It's a, it's a corporation. It's a company. If, if the city, I guess, owned it, maybe I'd feel differently about, you know, the, the circumstance. But these are private companies, and, and rightfully so. Government has no role, should have no role when it comes to professional athletics. Uh, and that might, instead of going to professional athletes and professional teams, should be going to public safety, should be going to roads, should be making sure that our schools are good when in the state of Missouri only one in three kids is proficient in math. Uh, it is crazy, uh, and unfortunately the cost in Kansas City for this particular project they seem to be climbing. Hopefully Kansas City uh, avoids the worst of it. If you just turn the radio on, Patrick Ishmael is with us from the Show Me Institute. He's the director of government accountability, discussing how apparently this uh, new Kansas City Royals stadium could cost billions more than the team has claimed. You know, if the cities and the counties around the country uh, where they currently have uh, 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 baseball and football stadiums, if they got together and said, we're never going to do this again. And the teams had to build their own stadiums, pay for their own stadiums. And these are billionaires that own these teams. I don't think they'd be so anxious to walk away from their stadium. I think they would make improvements as the years go by. And they would try very hard to not have to build a whole other stadium. But as long as they can get the city to pay for it and the taxpayers to pay for it, why not? Well, and, and in Kansas City, the taxpayers have been rehabilitating and updating these stadia for for a while now, both Arrowhead and Kauffman Stadium. So, and and I agree. I mean, whether it's you know everyone agreeing or a you know a national law being passed that somehow prevents a sort of. of competition uh, for tax subsidies. Um, you know, certainly in Kansas City, broadly speaking, there's been what they've called a truce uh, in trying to take uh, companies from across the state line. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'll see, we used to see pretty often in the Kansas City area, a company that lived just on the other side of state line in, in Kansas move, you know, half a mile or a mile and get a ton of tax subsidies from Missouri because, you know, the Missouri side, the local leaders on the Missouri side, and likewise in Kansas going the other direction, wanted to make it look like they are creating jobs when there really weren't any new jobs being created. If you had a national truce that said, you know, we are not going to be subsidizing the salaries of millionaire, billionaire owners and millionaire athletes, you know, good on them for being successful at what they do, but they should be doing it with their own money and then through the private market like everyone else. We are not going to subsidize that. I think that would be an excellent uh, development. Um, and, uh, you know, it, again, I think most local leaders do not enjoy the hard work of actually doing things that government is supposed to be doing. Uh, again, roads, policing, all those things, making sure the trash is picked up on time and completely. Uh, it's a lot more fun to say, well, I had a stake in Patrick Mahomes' Super Bowl run or something like that. Um, but it's, it, it isn't good policy. It isn't a good thing for taxpayers. And I think the the more we can keep politicians off the stage and giving away money to, to professional sports teams, the better off I think taxpayers are going to be both in Missouri and nationwide. Yeah, I don't think the government can invest at all. Uh, it's just not their job to make investments. It's their job to provide security and protect us from one another and from the outside world, but it is not their job to invest. 
Uh, I'd rather, you know, choose to invest my money my way. Patrick Ishmael from the Show Me Institute. Uh, thank you very much for being with us and pointing out this boondoggle that uh, could be happening in Kansas City. Yeah, thanks, Gary. All right, take care. Uh, coming up, uh, Ron Calzone is going to be with us. We'll talk about the uh, Speaker of the House and his um, <laughs> kerfuffle. Uh, and uh, maybe uh, a debate uh, between uh, Senators Holly and Paul on barring and banning TikTok. Coming up at about 10.35 on The Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 23 minutes after 10 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. Um, 874-9390, the toll-free number 800-529-5572. Or you can send a message by going to GaryNolan.com and it will pop up in studio. Uh, this TikTok thing that is that it, Josh Holly wants it banned. Uh, they they debated on this yesterday. Uh, Rand Paul doesn't think we should do it. I agree with Rand Paul. Uh, this this push to ban TikTok, it's frustrating. It's not that I have TikTok or want TikTok, but if you want to endanger yourself and and your finances, go ahead, get it. It's it's your choice. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll kind of kick that around in the next segment. And uh, between then and now, a couple of things that I want to cover. One of them is this insurrection challenge to Trump being on the ballot. A couple of states are trying to do this. I argued the stupidity of this. Uh, you can't say he's guilty of insurrection when he hasn't been tried and found guilty of insurrection. It's like saying somebody was accused of shoplifting uh, so he can't run for office. Well, just because they're accused doesn't mean they're guilty. You take them to court, you prove your case, then maybe you can make that uh, kind of thing. Anyway. Uh, uh, in- Gary, I think the January 6th hearing proved without a doubt that Trump insurrected on January 6th. He insurrected. He did, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, they didn't try him. Uh, they're not a court of law. Um, and so in, in Minnesota, of all places, they ruled on this, and uh, this, the Minnesota Supreme Court dismissed the insurrection clause challenge that allows Trump to be on the primary ballot. I have no doubt that an honest court in any state of the union is going to do the same thing. I'm not an attorney, but I know you can't be guilty legally of anything until you've been tried and found guilty. It's uh, it just it doesn't make sense. But then that's pretty much the way the left operate. They are so desperate to uh, to take him out. Uh, this uh, this trial of Trump. Speaking of this, up in New York. I'm going to try and play this for you. It, it, some of the sound may be a little foggy and hard to hear because Letitia is using a bullhorn. Which you know, Brian, it, it just struck me as perfect that someone who's so full of bull would be using <laughs> yes, a bullhorn. A bullhorn. Uh, so she is alleging that uh, she didn't have a vendetta against Donald Trump. Oh, right? no, uh-uh. no, absolutely not. Here, here she is. The president of the United States has complained that I'm engaging in some sort of political witch hunt, that I've got some personal vendetta against him, that I campaigned against him. That is not true. Now, that's, I mean, you know, Brian, she said it. Okay, it has to be, yeah. yeah. 
asked, well, wait a minute, there's more to the, there's some video here of her. Let's, let's, uh, let's listen in. Show me where democracy looks like. That president, because he's not my president, he's an illegitimate president. Yeah. She was lying? No, no. See, this is completely different, Gary. This She was leading a political rally, and she was just trying to fire up her troops, but she didn't believe in anything she was saying. So that's yeah. the explanation that uh, you're looking for. You know, it's Hope good that, that the, it's, it's really good that the media uh, are so honest that they're pointing, <laughs> this, pointing this out. I mean, didn't you see that on MSNBC uh, or ABC? No, I, I I didn't catch it there. Uh-uh. Did, didn't didn't catch it anywhere. No. <sighs> frustrating, really frustrating. Uh, I, we'll, I don't know if I've got time to play this um, uh, Scott audio uh, where he goes after uh, Lester Holt. Uh, I don't think I do. How much time? What do we have? About a minute. We about, have a minute and a half. Minute and a half. Uh, let's see. I don't know how long this is. I listened to it before, but I don't know how long it is. I'm going to hold off. We'll, we'll see if we can squeeze it in a little later in the program. But uh, in the in the debate yesterday, um, Senator Scott went after Lester Holt, and it was it was it was great. Um, it's amazing how they can just ignore when they're caught. You, you know, doing anything wrong. They just completely ignore it. It's it's crazy. Uh, we've got some Squaw Warren news as well. We can do this real quickly. Uh, Squaw Warren came out and pointed out that we need to protect Muslims against all these hate crimes. And Brian, boy, uh, they're getting they're getting whacked. Those Muslims. Yeah. Uh, no, I I didn't huh? know that they were. Oh, uh, yeah. Can you point to 100 a... And 158 cases oh. of hate crimes against Muslims last year. 158? 158, huh? 158, wow, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, I fortunately, our Jewish communities are safe. Yeah. Oh, wait. Well, all right. I, except for the 1,124 <laughs> hate crimes against our Jewish friends. <laughs> Other than that, it seems like we really have to protect the Muslims. They're the ones that are really in trouble. Ah, uh, golly. Can't you, make it up. No, you can't. Squaw Warren. They're so disconnected from reality on the left. You wonder how these chicken littles get up and go to work every day. 
All right, uh, it is uh, 10.29. That means we're going to get you up to date with what's going on around town and around the world. And then Ron Calzone, a.k.a. Cazzone, Rand Paul versus our own uh, Republican senator on TikTok. This is the Gary Nolan Show. It's a slow build, but the libertarians are gaining ground. Uh, we talked about it briefly with Jim Babka, and uh, we'll get back to that uh, in a few minutes. We'll talk about that because, frankly, it's the only party that is really going uh, to protect your freedom. In the meantime, I want you to know that uh, we're going to have Mike Murphy on the program in uh, exactly half an hour at 11.05. IBM gets $31 million in incentives, nearly all uh, state of uh, Missouri, uh, to locate in Columbia in 2010 with promises of 800 jobs. 13 years later, where do we stand? Well, we're trying to sell the building. We'll talk about that and um, an update on the city council meeting um, on the uh, sanctuary city ordinance that they're planning here for the gay and lesbian community. So that's all coming up uh, with uh, Mike Murphy and Cobo Buzz. But first... Calzone. Yeah, it's Ron Calzone. And, uh, well, we, we well, I'm going to start with uh, this whole thing between, um, well, about TikTok. Because uh, I, I, I am not siding with Josh Hawley on this. I think Josh Hawley is, again, way out uh, out of line. But we'll find out what Ron Calzone thinks at MoFirst.org. Ron, good morning. Good morning. I, I kind of want to start it with what you wanted to put off a little bit, and that is the value of having the Libertarian Party, or maybe any third party, actually make some headway. I think the Republicans and Democrats need some better competition. Well, uh, the, the Libertarian Party has, according to Newsweek, um, scored bigger um, than ever. Uh, the, the story at Newsweek, the Libertarian Party scored its biggest ever mayoral election win uh, when uh, the, the new mayor for Wichita, Kansas, is a Libertarian. I, I heard you talk about that earlier. The party, which was formed in 1971, supports laissez-faire capitalism and civil liberties third largest American party by voter registration. Its uh, website says libertarians strongly oppose any government interference in their personal family and business decisions. And uh, this new mayor joins uh, several others across the country, two in Ohio, by the way. But so, uh, so do you think that mayor would be less likely to, to go after $30 million of subsidies for IBM to come to the, his town? Yes. I kind of think so, too. <laughs> yeah. I, they, you know, we, we describe ourselves as the party of principle. Uh, and I would like to believe that we are. And so far, uh, every indication is <laughs> that uh, libertarians are. Look, they don't normally want to even get into politics. They do it because they want to protect freedom. Uh, and they recognize the Democrats and Republicans aren't doing that. Uh, but well, the Republican Party does a pretty good job being conservative and standing for free market principles when they don't have a supermajority. But when they get a supermajority, like we have in, in the Missouri House and the Missouri Senate, it seems like the people that have true conservative inclinations, you know, true, and I, when I say conservative, I'm talking about liberty, you know, the old Ronald Reagan definition of conservative. I'm not saying he conducted himself always this way, but he said 
that uh, at its core, a, a Republican, a true Republican, is a libertarian. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is the more Republicans there are, the ones that are true believers uh, are less needed. So in the House of Representatives, for instance, you need 82 votes to pass a bill. And if there are, say, 10 Republicans that are true conservatives or true, you know, believers in liberty, however you want to describe those, those terms are fluid, right? But you know what I mean? Uh, if there are 10 there and you have 115 Republicans, then a, a, a statist, leftist, or fill-in-the-blank uh, leadership doesn't need their votes. And so they're marginalized. They can reach the 82 threshold without the people that are saying, wait a minute, what's this do to free market principles? What's this do to our liberty? And so, as it turns out, the Republican supermajorities have not served well the people that are you know, true uh, conservative Republicans or libertarians, either one. Yeah, I think that's our fault. And I don't necessarily mean your fault or my fault, but in general, our fault. Because we keep voting for the lesser of two evils. Uh, we think uh, the government should be, you know, they did a, a survey and, and a huge supermajority of Americans think that we should find a way to continue paying out Social Security and Medicare benefits. Even though no matter what they do, it'll increase the national debt. Uh, that uh, that that it will destroy the economy, which causes price inflation, which means you need even more. Yes, benefits. yeah, right. Um, right. So it's our fault. We just won't wake up, and you know, the more we accept the lesser of two evils, the more surely we will go over the cliff, uh, destroying. Right, and so how does that tie into the, the topic that you wanted to lead with, and that was this Hawley versus Paul TikTok debate? Well, Josh Hawley ran as a constitutional scholar. Josh Hawley ran as somebody who was, was you know, at least when I saw him, and this was during the era of the Tea Party stuff, you know, so I'd be at a Tea Party meeting, and, and he, of course, he knew what the Tea Party folks wanted to hear. They wanted to hear fiscal responsibility. They wanted to hear adherence to the Constitution, and that's what he, that was his stump speech. And now, if you, if you go to YouTube and you, and you search for uh, Josh Hawley, Rand Paul, TikTok ban, you'll see the little debate they had on the Senate floor. And it's just mind-blowing, you know, so... Hawley wants the government to ban TikTok. And, and Rand Paul is saying, we have this thing called the First Amendment. And by the way, we just got, com got done complaining about the left censoring conservatives. And, and so we want to censor the conservatives. And Rand Paul makes a very cogent point that what our senator, Josh Hawley, wants to do is to be like the communists, to keep the communists from influencing our youth. You know, if you want to risk having your finances and everything you do known by communist China, that's a, that's a risk you can take. Uh, I choose not to. Uh, hopefully my data will be safer. No, but you've got a car that talks to you, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, um, that's frustrating too, by the way. And, and we'll talk about that with 
Dave Rowland. My car's so my car's so old, I don't have to worry about that because if I was drunk, I wouldn't be able to crank that crank on the front to get it started. <laughs> you know, the beauty of that is you bought it new and you get two more payments and it's all yours. Uh, that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. In all seriousness, the Calzones have have not had a car payment in decades and decades. We don't believe in going into debt to own a car. But uh, so anyway, I thought that was something that was kind of interesting to talk about. And, you know, we we need to know what our senator's doing. And I'm not a fan of TikTok. I would never participate in TikTok. I think it's a mess, but it's censorship. And it's and you, you can't complain about censorship from the other side and then turn around and do it yourself. And and so and, and to be fair, Josh Hawley's saying, well, the communists are spying on us through TikTok. But the fact of the matter is, is that, and Rand Paul points this out, if you go to TikTok and you and you uh, search for Tiananmen Square, you'll get hits. They're not censoring that stuff. And so anyway, that's the other thing I was hoping to talk about a little bit was was Dean Parker's ongoing uh, issues, uh, the latest news. Well, I, I, I will get to that in just a second, but I want to point out another thing that Josh Hawley wants to do. He wants to get rid of the Citizens United uh, decision. Uh, Citizens United versus the uh, Federal Elections Commission. Because he doesn't like the idea that progressives with a lot of money are throwing their money at campaigns and candidates. Wall Street Journal, Missouri Republican Senator Josh Hawley has introduced legislation to reverse Citizens United as a way to punish corporations whose progressive politics he dislikes. He told Real Clear Politics that his, quote, goal is to get corporate money out of politics and stop companies from controlling our elections. You know, it's my money. I should be able to give it to anybody I choose. If it's my company, I should be able to do that. If it's my corporation and the board of directors is willing to invest that money or, uh, or, or support somebody, we should have that right. I may not like what the left is doing. I don't, I don't particularly care for uh, the, their, uh, their positions, but it's their money. Well, and, you know, the fact of the matter is, I, you know, I am, I am fighting the professional contract lobbyists all the time in Jefferson City. You know, they're usually my, my biggest enemy. Uh, the people that are representing the healthcare industrial complex and people like that, the mercantilists and the rent seekers, you know, but I also defend the, their right, a company's right, to send a lobbyist or to get involved in a campaign as long as the government has the power to affect their business. So if you were going to, if you want to begin a discussion about depowering uh, the, the right that a business has to influence the process, then the first thing you need to do is depower the state's effectiveness or their power to, to you know, affect that company. With, yeah. with with rules and regulations and taxes and things like that. They have they have an interest to protect. Now, unfortunately, the truth of the matter is, is most of the time, they're lined up in the halls of the Capitol with their hands out. You know, IBM looking for $50 million, you know, for instance. That's mostly what they're doing, but there is a legitimate function in them just protecting their own interests. Just well, that's... Us alone. This is the problem when you give the government the power to regulate and spend money on things... It ought not ever do. Uh, you know, if the job of the government is to protect us from the outside world, and that's their only job, then they're not regulating these businesses, and they don't end up getting lobbyists, 
nobody's going to spend money on a, you know to lobby when they don't have a dog in the fight when there's not some rule or regulation that some politician well, there's, is there's Rayathon and you know so there are you know, there's Halliburton and so national defense is a legitimate function and uh, and so when they profane national defense to be uh, become us being the world's policemen then you know then there is a you know, then we will still see the, corp the big corporations the military industrial complex lining up trying to affect foreign policy and get us involved in wars all over the world well if that's so. a concern you're going to want to listen to tomorrow's program because uh, we are going to air an interview that I did uh, about our foreign policies it's a it's a it's a, a tragic story going all the way back to 1812 how we've been lied to to get us involved in wars and how we've created so many of the problems that we're now struggling to control. So uh, that'll be on tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll do it in uh, one of the first two hours. And I, I think it's an education for a lot of people who don't know what the, how much we've been lied to. How much we're being played, absolutely. Yeah. And so, as I was as I was preparing some show notes, and I do that actually do that, Gary. I prepare show notes for your program. Uh -huh. It might not look like it, but I do. <laughs> I, I had I had a time time to watch just the first little bit of the Republican debate from last night. Yeah, and it was just sickening how much they're all in the tank for spending more money and and sending it to Israel. And you know, Tim Scott even says we need to attack Iran. <laughs> These. You know, it's like they're trying to, Vivek is, seems like he's hedging his bet a little bit, but it just seems like they're trying to outdo themselves in terms of being warmongers. Yep, and and it's been going on since the country, since the 1800s. All right, I have to take a break because Brian is insisting. So I'm going to ask you to hang on a little bit longer so we can talk about what's going on with the Speaker of the House. And by the way, that's pronounced kerfuffle. Just so you know, not not the way you spelled it. There's, well, that's no voice to text that did that. So <laughs> Gary Nolan, and it's the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 53 minutes after 10 o'clock, and uh, we're going to have Mike Murphy on uh, Como Buzz with One Z dot com. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more information about this uh, sanctuary city uh, for uh, the, the LBG. T, Q, R, uh, whatever they all are. Uh, anyway, we'll find out more about that in uh, the next segment. In the meantime, uh, a listener says, uh, what is the uh, email address for Ron Calzone? Uh, the listener says he thinks he sent emails, uh, but he's never gotten a response. Uh, I don't know. Do, do, is your, do you have an email link on your website? There should be an email link on the website, yes. All right, so if somebody wants to contact you, they can... Uh, what do you think of Missouri uh, forming a valid and true political party to run candidate for all offices? All right, let me uh, let me do this. Let me just get to the speaker because that's that's where we want to go, and it's kerfuffle is with an F. Yeah, I I apologize. I went back and I read my text to you, which I, I used <laughs> voice to text, and I think maybe there's a, a Freudian translator between my voice. And <laughs> I laughed like but crazy. Just, we'll just you know we'll just. <laughs> Leave it to uh, yeah. the fact that, you know, an L makes a lot of difference. With 
Uh, all right. Uh, so uh, what's your commentary there? Well, the latest news with uh, the, the Dean Parker um, situation <laughs> is that his chief legal counsel, Julia Baker, has now resigned. She had a $127,000 a year job, which is a pretty good job. And she's resigned. They're not saying why. And, and, I, and, you know, maybe it's not appropriate to speculate too much, but the fact is, is it just seems like every week there's something, there's some, uh, something else happening with that office. You know, if you remember, it started with a debate over whether or not it was appropriate to, uh, to spend uh, $80,000, I'm sorry, $800,000 for a two-year contract for a new constituent services company, software, that uh, would have arguably put the data of constituents at risk, and, and it was also duplicating something that they already had on hand, and, and some concerns about maybe there was some quid pro quo involved with that. And uh, Dana Miller, the chief clerk of the House, uh, disagreeing with Dean's position that they should spend that money, and then allegations that he threatened her job because she was disagreeing, and now there's there have been at least two House Ethics Committee investigations into this. Uh, there's rumors that the FBI is investigating the speaker. You know, there's unsubstantiated. They're hard to substantiate because the FBI won't tell you, obviously. And, uh, and you know, now, uh, then there also was him firing his chief of staff. You know, so all I know is, is that we've had a bad track record of Republican speakers of the House and a worse track record, I think, of Democrat speakers of the House before that. So when you put people in these big positions of power, it seems like it attracts people that um, aren't always as studious as they should be and maybe sometimes outright dishonest. Five of the ten uh, House Republican speakers have had some kind of a, of a problem, either legal problems ended up in jail or failed marriages or whatever, things that happened while they were speaker. It's a, it's a tough, tough job, and it results in bad things happening to people. And I, all I know is, is that typically people that are close to a situation know more than the rest of us do. And as the end gets closer, you start seeing them bail ship. And some of us are wondering if that's not what's happening with, with uh, Dean Parker. Well, time will tell. Um, it, it's, it, it's an issue that uh, keeps popping up on the radar. Uh, we shall see. In the meantime, Ron Calzone, Mo first org mofirst.org. Ron, thanks for being with us and clearing up the kerfuffle um, issue. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> that your tender eyes had to see my text. I am still having a hard time not laughing while I'm, while I'm not talking about it. All right. Thanks, Ron. Take care, buddy. Have a great day. All right. You too. Coming up, Mike Murphy, Como Buzz uh, with one Z. IBM gets $31 million in incentives, and uh, we're supposed to get 800 jobs 13 years later. What do we have? He'll explain. Also, uh, this sanctuary city thing, apparently there's a little more information that we're going to get. Yeah, we'll find out. Mike Murphy will be with us on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show 